Thanks for morning. A few readings from Proverbs. I know one of our gospel groups has been looking at Proverbs, but I don't know how often uh, we read those words in our church, um, or in my experience. These words about wisdom, gaining wisdom, that wisdom is the most important thing. Wisdom is something we can be looking out for uh, and on the hunt for and giving up other things for. And we're starting a new series today, as already been mentioned, where we're going to be sitting in the wisdom books of the Bible for the next five or six weeks. And we're going to consider, which is the invitation of wisdom, to consider, to consider wisdom, to consider the world around us, to consider ourselves, to consider others, most of all to consider God and how we might see and hear from him and gain his wisdom. So wisdom is this, this group of books uh, in the Old Testament and the writers of these books take the time to consider to pay attention, to contemplate, to meditate, to ponder, to ask questions, to reflect, to look back, to look forward, to look around. Kind of seems appropriate given what we've been doing this morning in terms of looking back and looking forward. But then they do something really interesting. They reflect or they theologize, if you like. They ask questions about what they have considered, what they have noticed, what they have observed. And particularly they ask, where is God? What is God saying? Where is the invitation from God in the midst of all that we see and notice and pay attention to? What does it teach us about what God is like and how we live as his people? How does it resonate with who we are and what we have learned from the scriptures and our own experience of God? And how might it stretch and challenge us? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to consider various aspects of the world around us. We're going to look up and consider the breadth and depth of all of the universe that God has made. And then we're going to look down and look in and consider the intricacies of who we are and who God has created us to be. And we're going to look around at other people and stories and aspects of God's creation and consider what we might learn from them. I'm super excited about next week because uh, next week Tammy's going to kick us off uh, with a message called Consider the Mummers. And she's going to be looking at how living amongst the women of Tanzania and observing and noticing and paying attention to how they live has taught her more about God and about what it means to be his people. Uh, we almost had a glimpse of this a couple of weeks ago when we had Brooke Prentice here. Um, we were kind of intrigued. We didn't tell her about this series that we had coming up, but she kind of did it anyway. As she looked at this nation uh, and the animals of this creation and some of the stories that have been told about this, these lands and how they might point us to God and how we might learn from him. This is the task that the wisdom lit, uh, writers of wisdom literature invite us to. And so we want to take on that task and see how we might be able to do it for ourselves. So I think the thing about all of the Bible, but in particular about these books of wisdom, is that we can read what they say and then we can close the Bible and put it back on the shelf and merrily go about our lives. Or... We can act on what they do. We can put into practice the task that they undertake. And I think the writers of these wisdom books would be horrified at the idea that we would just read their words as if that was the point. When what they are inviting us to do is to practice what they did. Some of the writings that we will look at over the coming weeks in these wisdom books are a little obscure. They're a little odd. They might seem a little old-fashioned and they might seem culturally really unfamiliar to us. 
And that probably shouldn't surprise us given that they were written by people around about two and a half, three thousand years ago who lived on the other side of the world and spoke a different, completely different language and lived in a completely different culture. Right? We've even heard this morning how different the world was just 125 years ago. So when they reflect, they are reflecting on their world and their time and their situation. And we can learn from that, but we can also learn from what they are doing and accept their invitation to do it ourselves. So we're going to get practical over the coming weeks and even today and invite ourselves to practice what we're hearing. It's kind of a different way, I think, than some of us might be used to of reading the Bible. Not reading the Bible just for the words that are there, but learning from what the people writing those words are doing, how they are thinking about God and responding to God, that we might do the same thing in our time and in our place. I joked with some people this morning that we're starting a series of wisdom and they said, I need some wisdom in my life. <laughs> and I said, sorry, I'm not going to actually stand up this morning and give you the answers. Imagine, I'm going to walk in and go, uh, so my wisdom for you this morning, Karen, is this. You should do X. And my wisdom for you, Alyssa, is this. And my wisdom for you, Andre, is this. I, that's not how it works. The Bible speaks into all of our lives. But the invitation of the wisdom literature is that we might take on the task ourselves of seeking wisdom, of seeking God, of listening for his voice, of paying attention, noticing, contemplating, considering. Because our faith is not something that is just contained in the words of a book written a thousand years ago, but is a living faith as we meet with, interact with, and live with the Spirit of God day by day in our time, in our place, in our context, and in our situation. So I'm excited about these coming weeks and what we've got planned. We've got a few different people who are going to share some of their insights and observations of different aspects of this creation and this world and this life that we live. And then we're going to take on the task of saying, well, how do we reflect on that? How do we theologize? How do we see God and learn from God and allow the Spirit to teach us through what we see? But this morning, we're really looking at this invitation to consider. And the first invitation of wisdom is actually to gain wisdom itself. Kind of seems a bit self, you know, <laughs> perpetuating, a bit of circular. How do you get wisdom? Well, you seek wisdom. <laughs> the invitation of the wisdom literature is to gain wisdom itself. So what, what are we talking about? We talk about wisdom literature, a little bit of our Old Testament history or background or genre for you. Uh, the, the wisdom books of the Old Testament are books like Proverbs, which we've read from this morning, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and some of the Psalms. They are the writings of people of God. A lot of the Old Testament is really the words of God to his people. The Torah, the law, the, the books of Moses, the, well, the Ten Commandments and all that comes with that, they are the word that God spoke to his people that as he led them and showed them how to live in response to him. And the prophets, the larger section of the Old Testament, they are the words of God to his people as God called these messengers and gave them words to speak on his behalf. But the wisdom is quite different. It is the words of the people to God and about God as they reflect and they ponder and they wonder. And so we need to sit in them in a slightly different way than perhaps what we're used to. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? It's kind of one of those hard things to describe. The best uh, short, sweet example I've ever heard, um, this is really about the difference between knowledge and wisdom, but is this. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not then putting that tomato in a fruit salad. <laughs> and I would say taste is not eating the tomato at all. This is my personal opinion. Uh, but the difference between knowledge and wisdom is that wisdom is practical. 
Wisdom is active. Wisdom is about how we live day by day. One of the amazing things about wisdom in the Old Testament is that it's very integrated. It's all connected. Every aspect of life, every part of who we are and what we do is connected. And so wisdom is about having a life that is integrated, a life where all the pieces fit together, a life where we see how who we are, in particular for the people of the Old Testament, who God is, impacts every aspect. And I think that is quite different to how we often see the world, where we divide it up into little sections and little parts and aspects and separate them out. And so there are some things that are spiritual. Maybe when I read the Bible or I meet with my gospel group or I go to church, these are the spiritual things we talk about. And then there are some aspects of my life that are work and that's just what I do with my time. And then there are some aspects of my life that are social and that's how I interact with my friends. And we put them into these different baskets. But the wisdom says these are all a part of life and they fit together. Another way of saying it is, for the writers of the wisdom, everything is spiritual. Every moment of every day, every activity, any, every interaction you have is spiritual because you are a spiritual being. The Spirit of God dwells within you. And so you can be listening to the voice of God and responding to him and hearing him and seeing him at work in the most profound and the most mundane aspects of your daily life. And God is right there waiting to invite us to see him and to learn from him and to get to know him more in the day-to-day, in the mundane, in the amazing, in the profound, if we will only take the time to consider. So I'd suggest that rather thinking of wisdom as a thing, wisdom is really a way of seeing the world, a perspective or a way of living life where we are open to the voice of God and the movement of his spirit in any and all things in our daily life, in the people around us, in other cultures and experiences of people who are quite different to us in every aspect of creation from the vastness of the cosmos to the tiny ant and the molecules that we look at under a microscope. All of them can speak to us about who God is and the invitation he has for us as his people. Now we probably need to put some frameworks and filters around that and the writers of the wisdom literature are very careful to do this. The writer of Proverbs says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. I think sometimes people have shied away from wisdom or been a little bit nervous about the kind of thing that I'm talking about this morning because they're afraid that it will end up looking like something that is not Christian or something that is not biblical. Maybe afraid of, of what we call pantheism where we you know, think that everything is God. The wisdom doesn't say that everything is God, but that everything can point to God, that God can speak through all things and can make himself known in all ways. But he gives us some filters or some frameworks uh, to help us understand and, uh, and process and reflect as we do this activity. We have the words of the scripture. We have the words of God as he reveals himself to his people of what kind of God he is and what his purposes and plans are. We have Jesus. He comes and reveals God to us in the flesh. We have the Holy Spirit who lives in and through us. We have a community of people who we can uh, you know, bounce ideas off. And of course, we have uh, our own experience of God. And all of those become filters through which so I, you know, I don't look at God's creation and come up with some crazy, wacky idea and everyone else says, no, that's not what God's saying. Or that's opposite to what the scriptures say. Or that's actually completely opposed to the kind of God that Jesus reveals God to be. We have these frameworks. We can have confidence in the presence of the Spirit, in the teaching of the Scripture, in the revelation of God's character in Jesus. But there is this incredible freedom within those frameworks to wonder, to contemplate, 
to ask questions, to notice, and to see what God might be saying to us. So really, in terms of the invitation to consider, there's three things I want us to to think about, maybe unpack today, and as we go forward in this series. When I read the Proverbs and I listen to their call and their invitation to wisdom, I see three, three key ideas. The first one is simply to notice. To open your eyes and your ears and your heart and your mind and to notice, to pay attention. How often do we go through life without noticing? So we've seen something that, you know, we've driven past a million times but never really paid attention to what it actually is. Last weekend though, I was down in Victor Harbour and um, I don't know if I can describe exactly where it is, but you've got Granite Island here (laughs) and the main park in Victor where they have schoolies and the main road driving down. At the end of that road, there are three poles Does anyone know what I'm talking about? They're just up in front of the car park before you walk to the beach. I must have seen them, I don't know, 50, 100 times. How many times have I been to Victor? I've never paid attention. I've never noticed until someone invited to me and said, next time you're down there, go and have a look. And it's an incredible piece of art. Three poles represent the encounter between the British, the French, and the Naranjeri people. And it's actually a, a, a piece of art called Occupied Territory, and there's explanations, and there's story, and there's history. And each of the poles has different colours and different symbols, which all represent different things. And I'd never noticed, because I'd never stopped to pay attention, to take time. Well, how about for you? How often do you have that experience, those of you who are old enough to drive, where you leave your house and you drive to a place that you go often all the time, you, wait, say work or your friend's place, and you get there and you think, I have no memory of like, how I got here. Don't remember turning on blinkers, like turning corners, don't remember other traffic. You know, I'm, I'm assuming I you know, obeyed the road rules, but I just I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> we get into routines and rhythms and we just stop noticing and observing. And the invitation of wisdom is to slow down, to pay attention, to truly look. The writer of the Proverbs can say to us, go to the ants. Have you ever sat down and just watched some ants and observed and paying attention to what they do? And then maybe, you know, stuck a stick in the middle to see how they'd get around it and change and mess with them. (laughs) How much do we pay attention? Notice, observe. So that's the first invitation, to notice. To slow down, pay attention. Second invitation of of the wisdom literature is then to name what we have seen. It's one thing to notice it, it's then another thing to give voice to it, to articulate it, to say it out loud and to say it to someone else. Sometimes the things we notice, we're not quite sure what they mean or what we've seen or exactly how to describe and explain them. We don't have the language. But the whole point of the wisdom literature is to articulate it, to say it out loud, to ask the questions, to propose possibilities. It's one of the reasons that a book like Job or Ecclesiastes can be really hard to read because there is a lot of naming going on. There's a lot of people standing around basically thinking out loud what they're seeing, what they're thinking, what might be the case. But they are taking the time to notice and then to name what they have noticed. And sometimes their naming is a little interesting. In fact, some of them get it wrong. This is one of the other things about the wisdom literature that might be quite different to how we're used to thinking of the Bible. Job's three friends in the book of Job take time to notice and then to name how they think the world works. And this goes on for chapters. Chapter after chapter, they say, well, I think it's like this, and it works this way, and I see this, and when I look around, and I observe this, and I notice, and they name it. And that is a good thing to do. But in the end, God actually comes along and says, well, you're not quite right. In fact, you're completely wrong. 
So their noticing and their naming was the activity they were invited to engage in. But they didn't have a nice, neat, right answer all tied up in a bow. That actually comes from the revelation of God at the end of the book. And so we've got to be careful about how we read these books, but I think that we need to accept that invitation that it's okay to speak out loud what we are seeing, what we are wondering, what we are thinking. So that's going to be our invitation over the coming weeks, to speak out loud to ourselves, to one another, to those around us, what we might be seeing, what we might be thinking. And we're going to try and find some ways of doing that, maybe online during the week through our, our Facebook group or in our gospel groups or together on a Sunday. What are we seeing and how do we say it out loud? And it's a practice that we need to get better at. It's something we've been um, trying to get better at, I guess, in our, our prayer meetings as a pastoral team, that when we are praying and we're listening to God and we're thinking about what he's doing in our community, just being brave enough to put it out there and say, well, this is what I think it might be. And we're not always going to be right. But that's the invitation, to notice, to name. And then final invitation is really the one that is the overarching, but then to reflect to consider. To reflect means to meditate on, to contemplate, to, to bring it into relationship or conversation with the scriptures and with Jesus and with the spirit and with the community and with what we know of who God has already revealed himself to be. We call it at, at uh, Tabor and College and Bible Colleges, we call it this theological reflection. <laughs> Once we have noticed and named, then how do we reflect on that and say, what might God be saying to us? How might he be speaking through this? How does it resonate with what Jesus says in his stories and in his teaching? How does it resonate with my own experience of God? How is it confirmed by the community as they say, oh, yeah, I think there's something in that? Or maybe they say, no, look, I think that was just you. I'm like, okay, we'll leave that alone like, alone like Job's friends and we'll ask new questions, different questions. So we notice, we name, and we reflect. And so that's really the invitation of the wisdom literature and the invitation we want to offer to you over the coming weeks. Let's pay attention and notice. It might be tomorrow morning as you wake up <laughs> paying attention to your own body and how you feel and how tired you are and <laughs> how energetic you are and what different uh, things that happen in your day, how they make you feel. It might be paying attention to the people around you and noticing their mood <laughs> and what they are experiencing and what they are doing. It might be paying attention to the animals in your house or the animals outside your window or the trees or the plants and noticing the colour and the beauty. It might be observing what other people around you are doing or have done. We did our census series last year. I think it feels a long time ago, but I think it was only last year. We did our census series, and one of the weeks on that, we actually similarly talked about this invitation to open our eyes and see. And I remember the week afterwards, I went for a walk. I live in the city, and I was just walking through the streets. I was actually wanting to get to the park and thinking, oh, once I get to the park, I'll be able to see God's beauty and the flowers and the trees and the plants. But as I was in that zone of kind of opening my eyes and paying attention, I noticed, again, having not noticed before, that in many of the streets around me there is a lot of art. There's a lot of graffiti, <laughs> but there's also this art and paintings on the sides of buildings uh, on, and you know, in different um, public spaces. There's all these different expressions of creativity that people have put there. And I can just walk past because I'm on my way somewhere, or I can stop and I can notice and think, I wonder who did that? and why they did that, and what that shows about who they are and what their hopes and their dreams and their longings are and what it actually says about our community and the neighbourhood and the city that I live in that this is what people are wanting to express and wanting others to know. That's noticing, slowing down, paying attention. Maybe it's reflecting on history. 
maybe it's actually reading the story of our church that Pam wrote 25 years ago. Or um, as we come to next month celebrating 125 years of South Australian women being able to have the boat and stand for Parliament, hearing some of those stories and noticing what people in the past, the stories of the scriptures, paying attention to the details. And maybe it's noticing culture and expressions of what people are looking to do in the future, whether those who are similar to us, those who are different. I don't know what it's going to be for you. As I said, this is a series where you're going to have to do the work. We're going to have to practice it ourselves. But what is it going to look like for you tomorrow, this week, to notice, to pay attention? What might you see that you haven't seen before? Then, once we notice, how are we going to name it? How are we going to articulate what we have seen? Who are we going to tell? Maybe there's someone living in your house you can tell. Maybe you just want to write it in a journal. Maybe it's meeting with your gospel group. Maybe it's picking up your phone. I know, horrifying millennials, and actually having a conversation rather than sending a text. Or maybe you can just send a text and say, this is what I noticed. Either or. Maybe it's when we come back together. Maybe it's online through our, um, our Facebook group. But how are we going to seek to find language to articulate what we have observed? And not just what we have observed, but what are the connections between the different things that I've observed and that you've observed? What are the patterns we're seeing come together? The things that we're noticing more and more as we see it once and then we see it again and then we see it again. You know, you know how that phenomenon happens? You see something once and then you see it everywhere because you've noticed it the first time. What is that drawing you to your attention? One of my um, favourite rhythms that I have uh, that I find really helpful in my life is I have a spiritual director. I met with her on Friday, I meet with her about every six weeks and a spiritual director is someone who's trained and it's got their job but basically to help you reflect on what God is doing and saying in your life. It's kind of amazing. You just get to sit there for an hour and just talk uh, about what's been happening and then they help you draw out the connections. And every time I have a spiritual direction session, I'm amazed because I will come and I'll be like, it's four or five different things that have happened in the last month. There's this and there's this and there's this and there's this. And I have not seen any connection between them. And somehow in that act of naming them in front of another person, I'll be like, she doesn't even need to tell me. I'll just be like, oh, that and that and that. And that, are they all actually, <laughs> everything's connected. Everything is spiritual. God is at work and pointing, bringing to my attention in all these things. So where is the space for you to name? Maybe it's naming your emotions. This is what I'm feeling, paying attention to your inner life. Maybe it's, no, it's naming your experiences, giving language to what you're doing. Maybe it's naming new ways of thinking. Maybe it's even naming the assumptions that you previously had that you're now having challenged. But what will it look like for you? this week, as you notice, to begin to name. And then finally, how will we together reflect on this? How will we accept the invitation to, to consider by reflecting, praying, asking the spiritual questions, listening for the voice of Jesus, talking together as the people of God, connecting it to scripture, praying, as I said praying, didn't I? <laughs> Sharing together what we believe that God is saying doing this activity that we call theological reflection. There might be some simple questions that can help you with that. What is God saying to me through this? It's a pretty good starting point. What does this point to about the kind of God that God is? When I notice that there are 15 different coloured leaves on a plant, does that tell me about the kind of God that God is? When I articulate that it shows breadth of creativity and colour, when I notice a person who is living their life in a certain way and falling into certain habits of what is important to them and how they sacrifice towards that and they name that 
name it as the desire that is within them for significance and success, what does that tell me about God and who he has created us to be and the longing and searching that he's placed into our hearts and the, the response that God is wanting to give to that person, the answer that Jesus has for that longing within them. Is this making any sense? Is this resonating for you? What will you consider? What will you notice? What will you name? And what will you reflect on? I want to finish this morning uh, by doing this in a very small way. Uh, I'm going to do it to a little practical exercise. And because what I've got to do is a little bit too heavy to pass around, you're actually going to get up, have to get up out of your seat. I know I'm giving you a little warning, so I start talking about it. You can get your head around that we're going to be practical in this series. Over here in this basket, we have a bunch of stones. Stones of different sizes, different shapes, uh, different weights, obviously. Some of them are smooth, some of them are rough, some of them are rounded, some of them are jagged and interesting. I'm going to ask you in a minute to come up and to grab a stone and to take it back with you. And we're going to use those stones for a very, very simple practice right here and right now. But I'm also then going to ask you to take that stone home with you as a reminder to consider throughout this week. So, kind of concerned like, do I, if you start coming up and I keep talking at the same time, is that going to work? We're going to better do two, and we can do two things at once, can't we? So, do you want to start just from, you know, front or wherever you are, just come up and grab yourself a stone. You can choose if you really want a very small one or a very big one, um, or you can just like make it a lucky, lucky dip and put your hand in there. But grab a stone and take it back and hold it in your hands. <laughs> Feel it. And uh, maybe, you know, move it between your hands, rub your fingers over it, touch it, get a sense of it. Look at it, pay attention to it, notice, see what kind of stone it is. I don't know if there's anything else, you can't really listen to a stone, can you? Uh, you might want to look at other people's stones and see the differences between them. But, how are we going? You can come, someone can grab a few for the people around you if you want to, or you can just come and grab your own. But grab one of those and, uh, yeah, take it back to your seat. A minute to do that. Hopefully there's enough. There's a lot of us today. There are a few more out the back, but they're massive, and I thought that was a bit cruel to make people carry around this huge thing. This is good to get to see the cake as you come past as well, see? It's great. Okay, thank you. Oh, come on, Carl. It's going to be one who's last. Okay, 
Everyone, almost everyone's got a stone. <laughs> I haven't got one yet. I don't have one, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> I want to pick my eye. <laughs> you don't know what we're doing. Either. Okay. okay. <laughs> Everyone's got a stone. So this might seem really stupid because it's just a stone. But if the writer of the Proverbs can say, consider the aunt, aunt, sorry, not the aunt, <laughs> consider your aunts as well, they're amazing too. <laughs> consider the aunt, consider the stone. I want you to hold it in your hand and look at it and feel it. What do you notice? What do you notice about it? What it looks like, what it feels like, how it's shaped. Maybe if you're someone who knows more than I do, what kind of stone it might be. <laughs> where it might have come from, what story it might have. What do you notice? Take time. Go beyond your first thought and your first response. What else do you notice? What else might be there, be there to observe? That's kind of the easy part. I reckon this next bit is maybe the hardest and so we're going to try something a little out there. We're going to all do it at the same time, so therefore we don't have to worry about what anyone else is doing. Well, now what you've noticed, I want you to name something that you've noticed. Huh? You don't have to tell someone in particular. We're all going to name it out loud at the same time. I know, this is very like, non-Western um, <laughs> way of doing things. Right? But just to practice articulating and saying out loud. So one thing that you've noticed about your stone, and you're ready, we're going to say it out loud. Ready, set, go. It's got holes in it. <laughs> so we've noticed and we've named something. Now here comes the question. How do you reflect on that? Could it be that God has something to say through a simple stone? Because this stone is part of his good creation. We didn't make these. We found them. We discovered them. They're part of this world that God has gifted us with and through which there are echoes and fingerprints of his handiwork. And he is at work now in and through. What might be the questions you want to ask? How does this stone speak to the kind of God that God is, to the kind of world that God has created, to what it means to live as his people in this world, to where his spirit is at work? I'm going to leave that one with you to reflect on. Very, very simple exercise <laughs> with a simple stone. We're going to try it with some more complicated and bigger and more amazing things over the coming weeks. But what I'd love to ask you to do is take this stone with you. Maybe put it in your pocket or in your handbag somewhere and carry it around with you this week. Take it with you day by day. If it's a really big one, maybe leave it in your car or I think you could like put it at your front door so that you trip over it every time you go out. <laughs> but throughout this week, you might suddenly notice that there's a stone in your pocket and you'll go, why is there a stone in my pocket? <laughs> And you'll remember, and you will notice again. And I'd love to encourage you to use this stone as a reminder to notice what else you're seeing around you. As you remember the stone, as you feel the weight of it again, as you discover it in your pocket, if you see it in your car, wherever it might be this week, as you carry it with you, what else are you noticing? What can you name about what you see? And how is God inviting you to reflect? Consider wisdom. Consider the invitation that God, by his spirit, is calling to us every day, in every way, through all things. Let's go on the journey together 
of being open to responding. Let me pray. God, we thank you for the Bible, and in particular this morning, we thank you for these books of wisdom, books that are quite different to what we're used to reading and speaking about and learning from, books by writers who encourage us to take a different perspective, to slow down, to pay attention, to contemplate, to meditate, to wonder, to think out loud, and above all, to reflect on you, to do the practical task of theology because we believe that you, our creator God, our redeemer God, our ever-present spiritual God, are at work in and through all that you have made. And so we pray, I pray that these stones might be a simple reminder, but above all, I pray that your spirit might remind us this week to slow down, open our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts to pay attention and notice. And when we notice, would you give us the courage to name, to say it out loud, to ask the question, to ponder, to wonder, that we might hear the invitation by your spirit of how you want to speak into our lives and grow us and lead us as we seek to make you known to others. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.